0: China decoupling from the outside world, the Chinese regime says it wants the opposite. But sweeping lockdown measures are driving foreigners and their businesses out of the country. At the same time, more restrictions are on the way for Chinese citizens going abroad, while the values praised by the regime drift farther from Western principles. Shanghai's lockdown takes a toll on the auto industry. Not a single car was sold in the city in April. And Beijing may be stepping up its aggression near Australia. A Chinese spy ship has been spotted off the Australian coast. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The Chinese regime is tightening the country's border under the zero-COVID policy. Some Chinese citizens even had their passports cut up at border entries. Let's take a look.
1: China's National Immigration Administration announced last Thursday it will strictly follow Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping's zero-COVID-19 policy in its border control operations. That applies to both those entering and exiting the country. The agency says it will conduct stricter screenings before allowing those going abroad for study, work or business from leaving China. Chinese Internet users reveal that earlier this month, Chinese border agents interrogated every passenger on a flight before they were allowed to enter China. The border agents asked them in detail why they went abroad, what they did abroad and why they returned to China. If their answers were deemed unsatisfactory, the border agents would cut up their passports, making them invalid, so the passengers had to stay in China. Some passengers had to promise that they would not go abroad in the future to avoid having their passports invalidated. A Chinese man who left the northern Chinese city of Dalian for Japan over a month ago tells NTD what he saw at the airport before his departure.
2: I saw passports being cut up when people came back to China. I saw over 20 passports being cut up at the border entry in Dalian alone. If you could get the documents to leave China, get them as soon as possible. If you can leave, leave quickly. This country is now really in an unstable state. It's closing its doors and the control is getting tighter and tighter.
1: Some agencies that support Chinese students who plan to study abroad say that the Chinese regime has stopped issuing passports for elementary and secondary school students who want to study abroad. China's immigration agency last week denied that it is suspending passports and invalidating foreign green cards. They say they are still providing services for Chinese citizens making necessary trips abroad. But earlier last week, China's immigration agency said it would restrict non-essential exits of Chinese citizens.
0: But China's lockdowns aren't going away, it seems, and it's taking a serious toll on the economy. Shanghai reported a stunning 100% drop in car sales in April. Shanghai's Automobile Sales Association says not a single car was sold last month. Almost all dealerships in the city were closed. This figure is a stark contrast to April 2021, where over 26,000 were sold.
3: NTD's Donma has more. A 100% drop in car sales in Shanghai is the zero-COVID policy's latest impact on China's economy. This policy led to the closure of factories, it slowed down economic activity, and it disrupted supply chains. A number of news outlets are now reporting on concerns whether China's economic downturn will cause a global recession. Ethan Yang, political scientist and economic analyst at the American Institute for Economic Research says that the worries may be slightly exaggerated. In the sense that I don't really see China playing as much of a role as most people might be worried about. I don't think that a recession in China and only China uh, would create a global recession. Yang says China is just one piece of the puzzle. Other factors like rising interest rates in the U.S. and the conflict in Europe should also be considered when talking about a global recession. So what people are worried about is not just China's economy, but they're also looking at Europe and the U.S. for what's basically a perfect storm of rising interest rates in the U.S. and a war in Europe. And so people are, I think most people are worried about that. Those three things, China, Europe, and the U.S., both having independent problems, could cause a global recession. If the two other things go well, meaning the U.S. can contain inflation and Europe can contain the war, then Yang says China's COVID lockdowns alone likely won't put the world into a recession. Don Ma, NTD News.
0: But on the other hand, Yang said it would be a different story if China expands its lockdowns from Shanghai to the entire country for months. In a rare move, China's state-run Xinhua News Agency appealed to foreign companies to stay in China. Many American and European companies are considering moving their businesses out of China. Their factories are having to suspend operations under Beijing's zero-COVID policy. And supply chain issues are also adding fuel to the fire. Xinhua says that the zero-COVID policy has brought a safer and more stable environment not only to China, but also to the whole world. And they say this policy shows the advantage of China's political system and has strengthened the confidence of long-term investors. Xinhua adds that the loss foreign companies are suffering is only temporary and that it's a necessary loss for stopping the virus from spreading. Beijing is strengthening its COVID-19 restrictions. Authorities have so far avoided calling it a lockdown. But the rules in place don't seem far off from one. With streets empty, many residents are confined to their homes. Those who can leave the house are stockpiling food and essentials. Beyond that, if a single person tests positive for the virus in a residential building, all building occupants are forced out of their homes and into designated quarantine facilities. One incident in Beijing was caught on video. Residents were informed at 2 a.m. that they were being forced into a quarantine center. Health workers rushed them to pack their bags and board a chartered bus. The facility was a one-hour drive away, but seven hours later, people were still waiting inside the bus. Parked in front of a hotel-turned-quarantine center. Residents on the bus could be heard criticizing the facility's management in the clip. Once residents enter the isolation center, they're faced with other uncertainties, including how long they're forced to stay there. Over in Shanghai, a recent incident was caught on video. Last week, a restaurant owner lost control after seeing his restaurant closed and blocked off with metal barriers. He had run the restaurant for over 10 years to make a living and support his family. Nearly 3,000 people are unable to withdraw money from their banks. Their deposits reportedly amount to 1.2 billion yuan, or close to $180 million. The problem recently popped up in multiple community banks in China's central Henan province and eastern Anhui province. And the situation has been ongoing for nearly two weeks. Chinese media officially listed five community banks, all of them currently unable to complete cash withdrawals. Four of the five banks are controlled by the same parent bank, and all five have been fined for non-compliant lending in the past. After the withdrawal problem surfaced, some noticed that a company has been working with the five banks to illegally absorb huge public deposits. This, according to a Hong Kong newspaper. All banks in China are controlled by local authorities. One bank clerk from China told us that for community banks, the risk of failing is high. To protect his identity, we're using his surname only.
4: These community banks in China belong to local governments. They are run by local governments. They are different from state-run banks. Bankruptcies are allowed for these community banks. For example, if you deposited 1 million yuan in the bank, When the bank is broke, it'll only pay you a half million as compensation.
0: Wang is a columnist for The Epoch Times' Chinese language edition. He says the community bank regularly faces significant risks. Some
4: community banks are controlled by major shareholders. The banks perform transactions for major shareholders, launder money for them. Those are tremendous financial risks. And these banks never solve the risk control problem in this regard.
0: Chinese community banks are also known as banks for rural areas. Farmers make up the bulk of their clients. According to public data, as of the end of last year, there are over 1,600 such banks in China. A Chinese spy ship has been spotted off the west coast of Australia. It took an unusual route without notifying the authorities. Australia's defense minister says it was an act of aggression.
4: Australia's Defense Department has tracked a Chinese surveillance vessel. That was when it operated near the country's northwest continental shelf. Defense Secretary Peter Dutton described the ship's move as unprecedented.
2: I think it is uh, an aggressive act and I think particularly because uh, it has come so far south. For it to come south of Exmouth is without precedent and for it to hug the coastline, the way in which it has, uh, and heading up toward uh, the north. Now we don't know whether it deviates Uh, and goes, you know, directly north, but at the moment it's heading uh, in a northeasterly direction.
4: In a statement, the Defense Department said they identified the vessel as a Dongdiao-class auxiliary intelligence ship, dubbed Xing. Dutton condemned it for not contacting the Australian authorities about its approach, a standard international protocol.
2: The Chinese uh, warship uh, with an intelligence-gathering capability. Uh, It's obviously uh, very strange that it's come this far south and it's hugging the coastline as it goes north, and its intention will be uh, to collect as much electronic intelligence as it can, and that's, uh, as I say, just very unusual.
4: In response, China's foreign ministry accused Australia of using, quote, frightening words just to cause alarm. A regime spokesman claimed he was unaware of the situation, arguing that China has always abided by international law. The spy ship emerged just days after Beijing's foreign minister Wang Yi announced his planned trip to the South Pacific, notably to formalize a security treaty with the Solomon Islands. Meanwhile, relations with Beijing are also dominating debates around Australia's upcoming federal election.
0: How does the Chinese Communist Party really see the war between Russia and Ukraine? A speech about Ukraine by a former Chinese ambassador, Gao Shen, might provide a glimpse into Beijing's perspective. The remarks were published by a Beijing-backed media outlet in Hong Kong. But the article appeared to be quickly censored in all Chinese media outlets and social media. In the speech, Gao admitted Russia already failed and has lost Ukraine completely. He said the Ukraine war has put an end to the post-Cold War era and opened a new international order. He added that Russia is getting weaker while Ukraine will join the Western world and that other countries that are part of the former Soviet Union will lean more towards the U.S. side too. Gao said he believes Japan and Germany will soon be free of the restrictions stemming from World War II and that they'll more actively strive to become major political powers and speed up military development. Touching on the U.S. and other Western countries, he said they are expected to vigorously promote substantial reform of the United Nations and other international organizations. And if that reform fails, involved countries may start anew. Coming up, we look at how an ancient Chinese spiritual belief overcomes war and connects people in Ukraine, Russia and America. A look at the celebration and more after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Despite ongoing war between Ukraine and Russia, groups gathered in both countries to celebrate the same holiday over the weekend. The occasion involves an ancient Chinese belief that connects them, even in the face of geopolitical tensions. NTD's Juliet Song has more on that.
5: Westerners dressed in ancient Chinese clothes, meditating in a public square. This is Ukraine. Even though Russian forces are pressing forward in other parts of the country, Ukraine has taken back control of Kyiv, the capital. There a group of Ukrainian residents meditated together to celebrate their spiritual belief called Falun Dafa or Falun Gong. It's an ancient spiritual practice based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. Thirty years ago, it was made public on May 13th, and the day later became known as World Falun Dafa Day.
1: This practice for me is an internal guide, an internal compass that makes me understand who I am,
5: where I am going and why, not just on an everyday level, but on a deeper level. Celebrating the Falun Dafa Day has become a tradition for Falun Gong practitioners around the world. Over in Moscow, Russian Falun Gong practitioners also held their celebrations, even as war rages on. The event featured a parade in the park, a Chinese drum performance, and a Chinese line dance. The display attracted onlookers.
1: I like it. I was very tense before, and now I feel calm. All my bad emotions are gone. Of course, everyone needs to be able to stop,
5: to listen to yourself and slow down." But such celebrations cannot be seen in China, where the practice originated. Falun Gong was immensely popular after it was introduced in China in the 1990s. Over 70 million people were practicing at the time. But the Chinese Communist Party launched a suppression campaign against the practice in 1999. Since then, millions have been jailed and tortured for their spiritual belief. Over 4,000 have been killed. But that number is believed to be far higher. The most recent death struck this April. The man was 74 years old and died while detained in police custody. In the UK, Falun Gong practitioners are trying to raise awareness about the persecution. I was giving leaflets and talking to people
6: and reminding them how lucky we are in the Western world, in the free world, to be able to practice truthfulness, compassion and tolerance.
5: Across the ocean in New York, over 4,000 Falun Gong practitioners marched through the heart of Manhattan. The parade started near the United Nations headquarters, passed by landmarks like Grand Central Station and Times Square, and wrapped up in front of the city's Chinese consulate. A young man explained why he supported the parade.
4: Communism is bad. I like seeing all these people out in the street um, protesting. That's what we do in America. So I'm here to support them.
5: The parade also celebrated how over 300 million Chinese people have quit the Chinese Communist Party and its affiliated organizations. A U.S. veteran shared her thoughts with NTD. I served knowing that the
1: freedom that we have in America is also possible in other countries. And I do not support the CCP,
5: nor do I support anything the CCP stands for, and how they continue to harm and prosecute Chinese people. The CCP is an acronym for the Chinese Communist Party. Hartman says she'll do whatever she can to help empower people to leave the Chinese Communist Party. Juliet Song, NTD News.
0: An indigenous community in the Andean region of Peru was resettled years ago to make way for a Chinese-owned copper mine. Now, the community wants the land back, and they're protesting. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has the latest.
7: In mid-April, over 100 fuere Bomba community members stormed the Los Bombas mine and pitched tents near the huge open pit. The mine provides 2% of global copper supplies, worth $3 billion annually, the protest forced a halt in production at the site. We are still in the fight. We have sent Las Bombas Mining Company and the minister's council presidency a letter. We said Las Bombas Mine cannot move one gram of copper from Las Bambas. They were joined by the nearby Juan Quiri community, which is protesting a planned expansion of the mine on their former land. The mine's Chinese owner, MMG Limited, recently tried to remove the camp. It led to clashes in which dozens of people were injured and failed to end the protest. Copper production remains suspended with no restart in sight. The Fuerebamba members were evicted, but the Juan Quiri community remains in place. During the first days when we were in Nueva Fuerabamba, it was like we were incarcerated. We had an entrance and an exit door. We had no movement. How could it be possible? The whole community felt dizzy. It was like we were inside a prison. Both groups have formed an alliance to bargain with the Peruvian government and the mine. The protest is the most severe crisis Los Bombas Mine has faced since opening in 2016. Over 1,500 members of the Fuere Bomba community were relocated by Los Bombas in 2014 to a purpose-built village near the mine. It says the protests are illegal but declined requests for comment. Los Bombas is over 60% owned by MMG, the Melbourne-based unit of state-owned China Min Metals Corporation. The government gave MMG permission to expand the mine in March. Community leaders deny the protests are a shakedown. The Juan Quiri community is demanding more benefits from the underground minerals. Under Peruvian law, citizens don't own mineral wealth underground, and the land was already formally sold. But indigenous communities have special rights because of their long ancestry in the territory. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: Some of China's international acquisitions may be in trouble. The country has been buying up mines in recent years. But back in February, metals producer China molybdenum took a hit. Its control of a copper and cobalt mine in the African country of Congo got suspended. The mine is called TFM for short. China molybdenum holds over 55% stake in TFM. But control of the mine is changing hands, set to go to a Congolese company for a couple of months. The Chinese company was accused of underreporting the mine's reserves and thus deprived part of its revenue. The government of Congo is reevaluating the TFM mine's reserve. Cobalt is one of the key raw materials needed to make electric vehicle batteries. In 2021, Congo accounted for 70% of global cobalt production. China controls around 70 percent of its mining industry. But it's not just Congo. Chinese mining companies are also struggling in South American country Chile. The country passed a preliminary bill this March, a step toward nationalizing its privately operated mines. Chile is the world's largest copper producer and the second largest producer of lithium. While Chinese mining giant TNT Lithium holds over 20 percent stake of Chilean lithium company SQM. And what's more, another company, China Minmetals, has long-term agreement with a state-owned Chilean copper mining company. Chile passed a bill to add taxes on copper and lithium mines this January. FTI, the world's largest financial advisory firm, shed light on why that's major news for China. If the bill is finalized, Chile would have the highest tax burden for copper mining of any country in the world, with corporate profit margins falling by more than 50 percent. The Japanese island of Okinawa on Sunday marked 50 years since the United States ended its occupation. The anniversary signals a pivotal moment in the country's return to normality after World War II. But there are renewed fears the East China Sea Island chain will become a battlefield once again. This time, the threat is coming from Communist China. Let's take a closer look.
6: Every Thursday, a small group of protesters gather outside Japan's newest army base to demand its closure. This patch of land on the tiny island of Miyako, in the country's south, was once a golf course. Now it's equipped with missile launchers, which are meant to target Chinese ships sailing in and out of the Western Pacific. Miyako is one of the Okinawa islands and sits less than 250 miles from Taiwan and 125 miles from uninhabited islands in the East China Sea. It's considered a vital military outpost, but some locals fear it could become a target for China. These are small islands. Building up a military base will not protect them, but rather make them a target of attacks. So I don't think deploying troops here will lead to peace. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has added to those concerns, with Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Koshida warning of the fragility of security in Asia. Japan is set to revise its National Security strategy this year, and that could mean committing more money to defence, including missiles that can hit targets on foreign soil. China, which spends almost five times as much on defense as Japan, says its intentions in the region are peaceful. Still, the island's base commander, Colonel Masakazu Iota, is calling for more reinforcements. There's also pressure on Okinawa to let military planes use an airport on Samoji Island.
7: I don't think our current setup is enough. Going forward, the details will be laid out according to the government's defense build-up plan.
0: That's all for today's China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow.
2: Every once in a
0: while,
7: something comes along so masterful, it leaves you in awe. So inspiring, it changes your life so beautiful, you wish it would never end. When that happens, it's something not to be missed. Shen Yun, an all new production every year.
6: The performance was enchanting.
2: I feel better about the world. I feel uplifted. It touches you. It really does.
6: The expertise of the dancers was really, really strong.
2: To know that it was live music was really fantastic. We didn't want to miss this.
6: Make sure you see it.
2: Have to come. Life-changing.